December 16th, Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. Then I, John, saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds from blowing upon the earth. Not a leaf rustled in the trees, and the sea became as smooth as glass. And I saw another angel coming from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted out to those four angels who had been given power to injure land and sea, Wait! Don't hurt the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. There were 144,000 who were sealed from all the tribes of Israel, from Judah 12,000, from Reuben 12,000, from Gad 12,000, from Asher 12,000, from Naphtali 12,000, from Manasseh 12,000, from Simeon 12,000, from Levi 12,000, from Issachar 12,000, from Zebulun 12,000, from Joseph 12,000, from Benjamin 12,000. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a mighty shout, Salvation comes from our God on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell face down before the throne and worshipped God. They said, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and forever. Amen. Then one of the twenty-four elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. And then he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they are standing in front of the throne of God, serving Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will live among them and shelter them. They will never again be hungry or thirsty, and they will be fully protected from the scorching noontime heat. For the Lamb who sits in front of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away all their tears. There's this phrase that constantly pops out when you read the scripture that says something to the extent of, I will be their God and they will be my people. And there's this theme from Genesis to Revelation of God's heart wanting to be with us, to dwell with us and to be our God. And you see that when you zoom out all the way throughout, even in the Old Testament, you see God dwelling in a temple, dwelling in the tabernacle, which then turns into the temple. And there's this this vulnerability to God where he's the infinite creator of the universe, but because his goal is to dwell with us, he's willing to make himself vulnerable to brick and mortar into a building simply so that he could get his goal. And you would think that the creator of the universe dwelling with us would, would gain our obedience, but instead, if you read the Old Testament, the Israelites were nothing 
nothing but idolaters. They were worshiping everything except God. They wanted to craft gods that they could make with their own hands, not the one that was uncontrollable, Yahweh. And, and, and so even throughout that, though, God constantly, relentlessly pursues them and goes after them. And, and after hundreds of years, he finally gets to the point where he says, my goal is still to dwell with my people. Instead of retreating, I'm actually going to go deeper. And there's this little period of silence, and then Jesus shows up on the scene. And in John chapter 1, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt in Greek literally can mean tabernacle. So it's saying that Jesus tabernacled among us, or Jesus pitched his tent with us. And so God constantly is coming down farther and farther, making himself more and more vulnerable to the point where he now walks among us. He now is hungry, tired, he's sad, he can be happy, he, he grieves, he, he cries, and this God is now one of us. And you would think again that with him walking among us that we would then bow down and worship him like he rightfully deserves. But instead it says that he came to his people and his people knew him not to the extent where we actually kill him. We crucify him and put him on the cross and say, we don't want you here. You would think at that point, God would finally say and snap his fingers and say, fine, it's all over. I want nothing to do with you guys anymore. See you later. This has only caused pain, grief, hurt, and ache. But no, no, instead he says, no, no, my goal is still the same. My goal is to dwell with my people. So he resurrects in new life. And then it says he actually sends his spirit to dwell in us. I mean, it doesn't get much more vulnerable than that, that God is now dwelling in us. It says we can quench the very spirit of God. And so it's almost as if the scripture is this stairway down from heaven of God getting closer and closer and closer to be with his people. It even says in Revelation that we don't need a temple because he becomes our very dwelling place. And there's this promise in Isaiah 11, I believe, that actually promises of the end times when everything is fully restored and renewed. It says that at the end of time, God God's glory will cover the earth the way the waters cover the sea. And, and I, I, it's kind of a cute and kind of a, a quaint verse, but when you really think about it, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, like, water doesn't cover the sea. Water is the sea. I mean, if you try to go and take out the water from the sea, you just took out the sea also, right? And what I think God's trying to say there is that his glory at the end of time, he will get his goal so much, it'll be so linked with earth and with us, they'll be so close together that you actually can't separate the two. If you pull one out, you pull the other one out as well. And so God's glory will cover the earth the way the waters cover the sea. So the question is, is that the finish line for us? Because that's where God's going. So is our life on that trajectory? Do you see the scripture primarily as something that you have to earn for God or a ladder that you have to climb in obedience to God? Or do you see the scripture primarily about a God who is making himself vulnerable to dwell with his people?